This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Recently, U.S. airplane manufacturer Boeing made a purchase of the commercial jet business of Brazil's Embraer for $4.75 billion, and that should allow Boeing to become a market leader in the commercial jet business, which has become a very important segment in the last couple of decades. But this deal also speaks to the relationship between the United States and Brazil as well. A couple of years back, Brazil's government was not happy to learn of NSA spying on then-President Dilma Rousseff through the release of documents by Edward Snowden. And it now appears that current President Michel Temer is going to allow this deal to proceed. With more on this deal, we are joined on the phone by Roger W. Clark, founding member and managing partner of the Clark Law Group, as well as a visiting professor of law at Rutgers University, where he teaches aviation law. And also joining us is Carl Moore, who's an associate professor of strategy and organization at the Desertels School of Management at McGill University in Canada. Roger, Carl, thank you for your time today, both of you. Good morning, Dan. Thank you. Roger, I want to start on the aircraft side. Uh, This deal being in place, what does this mean for Boeing moving forward? Well, you know, the the whole story on how this uh, came to be reads a little bit like a, uh, you know, John Grisham novel. And it's a little bit reactive in a a very real sense to what's been going on with uh, Airbus and Bombardier. Uh, but also, I think, has long-term strategic advantages as well. Um, and it, it actually goes back, uh, you know, some years because um, Bombardier, which also produces a what's called a regional jet, and, and traditionally that's been defined as a jet with seating capacity from about 50 to 100 passengers, uh, although both Bombardier and Embraer have been uh, stretching those into the 100 to 150 passenger category, and hence part of the problem here, or part of the challenge and opportunity. But uh, uh, you know, late last year, um, Airbus uh, announced that it was uh, going into a partnership with uh, uh, Bombardier to produce the uh, uh, what's called the C series of regional jets. Um, and would enter the U.S. market in a major way. And although the uh, Boeing folks have been in talks with Embraer for some time before that, the announcement of uh, that partnership uh, really put pressure on Boeing and Embraer to cement the deal. And just a couple of days ago, as you mentioned, uh, the Memorandum of Understanding was announced that uh, we'll create a joint venture uh, so that Boeing and uh, Embraer uh, will uh, be partners uh, for the production of the Embraer uh, regional jets, um, and they hope to close that by the end of uh, 2019, if not earlier. Carl, you've done a lot of work in and around the, the airline industry. How important do you see this move? And playing off of what Roger says, how uh, impactful is this on Bombardier? Well, I think it's a big move. Um, a couple of points to make here. The deal, you know, and uh, Roger's pointed out, it's not going to close till the end of next year. And um, I talked to some people, senior people, Bombardier and Airbus, about the uh, evolution of their relationship. So it, it, it may not work out. Part of there's a Brazilian election in November, and so the new president 
may take a different view and now they're attacked. It's also you get into the uh, details of it, and they've had a long-term relationship, so they know some of it. It may evolve a bit differently than they think is what kind of Bombardier and Airbus experience has been. We see this as a reaction to some degree to what, uh, what Bombardier and the C-Series and, Embraer and um, uh, Airbus have done, where it's also looking at the longer term what's happening in China, Russia, and Japan, particularly China, as the world's biggest market most likely in the future, though the U.S. could rival it there. They're, they're both very important markets. And so there's really a sense that they're trying to not only counter their direct competitor, but also hopefully, from their viewpoint, put down future competitors and make it more difficult for them to challenge them. So it's kind of a long game here involving China as well. Well, you talk a little bit about the political side. Let's touch on that for a second, because I guess the question is, with the past of the United States-Brazil relationship, was there a concern that this deal would be stopped initially by President Temer and by the Brazilian government? Carl? Yeah, there was. I mean, there was some real question about that. Uh, part of it was kind of the military and the idea of a golden share where that uh, that the Brazilian government would have the ultimate control over it and be able to veto or approve things to some degree. Um, but they seem to have sorted out the military side to the satisfaction of the government. But you might see a new populist government. We saw that in Mexico recently and other around the world where the new government may take a different tact on it because of their agendas and wanting to be different than, than they have in the past. But my sense is because of the long-term relationship between Boeing and Embraer, that it will probably work out largely as they planned. But on the, in the meantime, uh, Airbus and Bombardier with the C-Series have 18 months to get out there and hustle it and really sell the plane because they have an agreement, it's done. I was last Wednesday, uh, July 4th, we had an event up in Maribel where the handing over of the C-Series to Airbus and the Sea of Airbus and Bombardier and the C-Series and all were there. So it's a done deal. It's going forward. Airbus is clearly in the driver's seat. They will try to get out there and point out to uh, potential um, buyers that there's um, some uncertainty. So that will have some impact on it, but I suspect my two cents worth is it'll probably go forward in spite of all these ups and downs. Roger? Yeah, I I think so as well. And there actually is um, a significant uh, relationship between uh, Embraer and the United States uh, already in in several ways. One, uh, uh, the final assembly plant uh, for the Embraer uh, business jets has uh, been based in uh, Melbourne, Florida, not too far from uh, the Kennedy Space Center for several years. Uh, and that's been a very successful operation as well. And the president of uh, you know Embraer will be the first to point out that uh, about 90% of their business is international. It's not domestic uh, uh, right. within uh, Brazil. Probably 47, 50% of their sales uh, are in the United States. Uh, and Boeing has been very careful to announce that uh, the uh, management uh, will remain in the state of São Paulo, where Embraer has its headquarters. And of course the ultimately will stop with the folks up in Chicago where uh, Boeing is based um, because they will have uh, the controlling interest. It's a 80 percent uh, control factor in favor of Boeing versus 20 percent with Embraer. But, but they've been careful to say that this doesn't uh, impact the um, uh, defense and the military operations of Embraer. Uh, and I think that's that's important. Although there are discussions uh, that the next step uh, may be for Boeing and uh, Embraer to join venture on some military products, including a uh, uh, aircraft 
that uh, is now in the development stage. I think there are several of the prototypes built, but they hope that it goes into the Brazilian military inventory yeah. by the end of this year. That's going to be a direct competitor. The um, uh, Lockheed Hercules, the uh, venerable C-130 that's been around for 60 years. And uh, and that particular aircraft is faster uh, than the 130. It uh, has a bigger payload than the 130. Uh, the folks at Lockheed would tell you that the uh, 130 is battle tested because it's a uh, it has the capability to get in and out of uh, you know short uh, airfields yeah. and soft airfields. Well, Roger, go back to the the regional jet part of this for a second. We we have talked to you about the importance uh, of regional jets now here in the United States, but how important is it globally right now in some of these countries like France, Germany, overseas, or I should say over to Asia? Uh, in China, Japan right now. How big of an industry is this right now in other parts of the world? This this comes back to the um, long-term strategy component of all this, although I think that the initial decision was reactive what, to what was going on between um, uh, Boeing, or, or rather uh, Airbus and Bombardier. I think strategically, longer term, you're, you're looking at tremendous growth uh, in aviation um, predicted over the next 20 years. There Currently, there's about 20 to 24,000 uh, commercial aircraft in operation uh, with 1,000 or 2,000 airlines that operate around the world. Predictions are that uh, the number of commercial aircraft uh, by the year 2034, uh, 2034 are going to go up to about 40,000, 45,000. Uh, and 40% of that growth is expected to be in the Far East. And the vast majority of that growth is going to be in uh, narrow-bodied aircraft, <laughs> which, uh, with the Bombardier and the Embraer aircraft, fits perfectly into that category, yeah. uh, particularly if you're looking at point-to-point transportation um, into the smaller uh, areas or from smaller towns into the uh, primary hubs. Carl? No, I, absolutely. I think it's a – I mean, there's carbon uh, issues here. There's climate change, how they will fit into. But these planes are more uh, environmentally efficient, so that will help with that issue to some degree. Um, I mean, it's interesting because um, when you look at the A380, the kind of the theory was there'd be point to uh, hub to hub. And Boeing with the Dreamliner said, no, they had a different theory, and, and Boeing seems to have got it righter. But when you look at it, most people would say, most experts, that that there's going to be a huge growth in a smaller market. Now, what's interesting is effectively we have a duopoly of now Boeing versus Airbus, mm-hmm. effectively. And, yeah. and generally in economics here, we don't like duopolies because it means that the, uh, the customer is going to pay too much. So in theory, we want the Chinese, the Japanese, the Russians to get out there to get better prices in theory. But even as a Canadian, I think a lot of Americans would uh, would wonder about uh, China's growth and China's impact on the world economy and a more of a centralized government. Is this something that is really fair competition? And in terms of, I interviewed Laurent Baudouin recently for our, our national newspaper, who was the uh, 50 years on the board, the CEO and the chairman of Bombardier, and a long-term person. And he had to admit some misgivings himself because Bombardier had given a lot of technology knowledge to the Chinese and in effect created their own competitors to some degree. We worried about this, you might remember, in the 80s with the Japanese. didn't turn out to be as big a problem as we thought at the time. But I think with China, um, it would be good to have a third and fourth competitor. I'm just slightly nervous about the Chinese. 
I guess the question is, is Roger, it, you know, can there be those other competitors down the road? Well, I believe uh, to gain a strong foothold, particularly in the North American and European market, um, there, there has to be major investment uh, and development cost, uh, you know, with Mitsubishi uh, in Japan and uh, the Commercial Aircraft Corporation and, you know, in China. Uh, it, it, you know, as Ringo Starr said, it don't come easy, and and uh, you know, just mm-hmm. huge costs go into this. Uh, you know, with the development of the Airbus uh, 380, I believe it was at a, about an 18 billion dollars just to develop the aircraft. That's not including the uh, production cost. One of the problems with uh, um, Bombardier and why they uh, ended up getting on the short end of the uh, you know the financial stick is in developing the uh, C series of aircraft. They put about six billion dollars investing into it. Uh, and they had announced a deal uh, with uh, United, uh, which Boeing reacted to, and this is part of the reactive part of this. Boeing uh, uh, became very concerned that that would provide a major foothold into the American market, and so they countered with uh, sealing a deal with United uh, for 737s at a very, very low price. Um, and uh, so then, shortly after that, uh, Delta announced that it had agreed to buy. 75 of the C-Series jets from Bombardier, and Boeing's response to that was to claim that it was uh, uh, selling below cost in violation, uh, you know, the anti-dumping laws, Um, and the trade uh, uh, FTC agreed with that, and then it was referred over to the International Trade Commission to determine whether uh, Boeing had suffered any uh, uh, losses. And because Boeing had not suffered any direct losses because it didn't have any direct competition in that particular aircraft market, there were no penalties assessed. But that was the direct driver uh, between uh, Bombardier and Airbus sealing its uh, deal. Now, ironically, um, what's going to happen is that a primary assembly plant for the uh, C-series aircraft is going to be in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, And and if you might uh, recall many years ago, uh, when Airbus and Boeing were in competition for the military contract for a new jet tanker, um, it looked like originally, in fact, uh, the initial award was given to Airbus to convert its uh, Airbus 330 into a military tanker and is going to be built in Mobile. And that was reconsidered after the Boeing protest, and the contract was awarded to uh, Boeing instead. But Airbus has that facility in Mobile, and that's where it's going to manufacture the uh, C-series of uh, regional jets. Well, it's going to manufacture some of them there. The biggest number, it appears, will be in uh, Mirabel, just outside Montreal. I was up at the plant um, last week. Now, we'll see how it evolves, but the Alibet plant using that will be for the U.S. market, as you point out, Roger, getting an entree into the U.S. market. But um, sense here is that the bigger of the two production lines will be Mirabel, but certainly a big one in Alabama, and as orders come in around the world, Partly we depend who will be more efficient in making it and who can get them at a lower cost point. Who loses out on this deal, Carl? Well, it's something where certainly um, Airbus uh, is going to face more competition with the C-Series from a more powerful co- competitor with Boeing in the driver's seat with then Embraer. So there's no question that um, Airbus is, you know, is not looking as good, but... This is, you know, entirely predictable. There's been rumors about it. And from a strategic viewpoint, it makes sense. Like, it's a game that you go, this absolutely makes sense to do that. They do have an 18-month window to get out there, though, you know, uh, Boeing will be out calling and say, it's all right, it'll all work out. But it's not done until it's done. 
Uh, and so that raises a certain amount of fear, uncertainty, doubt in the marketplace. I think the uh, the C-Series is a great plane. I've flown on it. It really is a great experience. I think the Embraer product is a good one as well. So in some ways, the airlines, they're, they're the, the passengers of the world are the benefactors of this. Right. Um, living in more of a, you know, not in Toronto, but in Montreal, I love I can fly directly on an RJ to Washington rather than going through Toronto and then to Washington or New York and Washington, which we did for years. So love the plane, much better experience. Typical RJ, I'm 6'3", I'd have to bend my head, and, you know, you wouldn't have much luggage. So the C-Series and these series, I think, are a much better experience. So this is good from a viewpoint. I just think that the world, from a theoretical viewpoint, would gain from having more competition than just yeah. two, than just duopoly. I think that would be something the world should have. Roger? And, and certainly more competition is better. That's uh, something I was raised on, uh, you know, when I was going through my uh, business school back when I was a kid with still wet behind the ears. Uh, and one of the things that um, you often hear when you lose that competition is that uh, the innovation and the development uh, begins to disappear because uh, you're not as hungry as you once were. And uh, with that being said, uh, you still hear a lot of uh, very creative uh, uh, projects that are out there. Uh, Boeing in Atlanta just two weeks ago announced that it's studying the concept of a hypersonic uh, jet, which would have both commercial and military applications, uh, claiming that uh, it can uh, have a, a operation that can go to Mach 5. Now, that brings back, you know, memories of the problem with the Concorde, and there are only a handful of those that were, you know, made back in the late 60s and early 70s, is that no one wants to have sonic booms overhead, and so <laughs> the Con Concorde can only uh, fly, you know, over the, uh, over the ocean at a supersonic speed. But But NASA, and I suspect Boeing is working on this as well, but... Uh, you know, NASA has reported that it's, uh, uh, you know, working with uh, Lockheed Martin uh, to develop a uh, prototype that can also go hypersonic, but yet it uh, eliminates the uh, sonic boom. Um, so if you have something that's creative that becomes hypersonic and assuming that you can persuade the passengers to get on something that, you know, flies that fast and you eliminate the sonic boom... Uh, we're going to have, um, you know, flights from Washington to Beijing or, you know, to Europe in just fractions of what they fly now, uh, which in some ways would be realizing a dream that's uh, 50 to 60 years old if uh, if we can make it happen. But that's probably still 10 to 15, 20 years off, I would think. What's the what's the, in your mind, Roger? What's the U.S. airline industry saying? What are the, uh, the the companies that are flying these jets saying at this point? Or is it not that big a deal to them? Yeah, well, well, the airlines, of course, um, you know, know their markets, um, and you know, they get down to uh, looking at how many passengers each aircraft carries, what the fuel consumption rate is, what's the price factor. You know, many of these jets uh, are are leased. Uh, you know, we always need to remind ourselves of that. That right? Yeah. Um, that that there's these large leasing companies that uh, lease to the airlines, and you know, some airlines uh, operate jets that are sixty to seventy percent leased, uh, not not owned. Um, so it ultimately comes down. Uh, well, not ultimately, but first step is uh, you know the you know the the price consideration from the perspective of the airline. Um, and what are the price points and what serves the market. And, of course, ultimately, um, and this will be the gauge of the final success of whatever decision the airline makes is, is does it satisfy the, what the passengers want and, and what they need. And, of course, that circles back to exactly what the airframe and engine manufacturers yeah. need to produce. Yeah, because, Carl, in, in the end, 
if the if the you want to be able to serve it's a little bit like what we're seeing in retail is that the airlines want to have the best customer experience that they possibly can because they can't afford to lose customers to other other competition that's true, but there also we see the real rise of ultra low cost carrier low cost carriers um, new one was an, announced or and launched a couple of weeks ago here in Canada swoop as part of a WestJet, which is one of our big carriers and i i've, I've uh, had uh, Scully Morganson or other who runs Wow Air come to my class in Iceland talking about what they're doing, and so there it's about cost so there's part of the market that it responds very strongly to cost as opposed to customer experience. But what we'd like is have an extremely low cost and a great experience, which generally not allowed. But interesting, I was talking to Fred Cromer, who's the president of Bombardier of uh, Commercial Aircraft, had the C-Series reporting them to him until last week. And he's genuinely excited about the um, Q400, which is a turboprop by Bombardier, which works for him or reports to him in the CRJ. And, you know, I, I said, Fred, I'd like to sit and talk to you sometime. You seem genuinely exciting the way you weren't six months ago. And he said, I absolutely am. I see real market potential for turboprops and for CRJs below the C-Series and the E-Series. So it's interesting to see that a big aviation world out there, that there's a lot of room for different ways of flying at different speeds and at different expense points. But what we see is that there is a a growing ultra-low-cost carrier, and you see that in the U.S. as well as uh, around the world, where people are willing to give up a lot in order to be able to afford the price of flying. And to a large degree, what they're trying to do is get people aren't flying, but rather taking the bus or not going or driving. But, you know, rather than spend 12 hours on a bus, I'd rather, you know, (laughs) uh, not have an assigned seat, not have any luggage, have to pay for water, but I get to fly rather than be in bus for 12 hours. It's it's really attractive. From from what I read, Roger, Boeing really wasn't in the regional jet market a whole lot prior to this deal anyway, correct? Well, that's well, that's correct, and and that's why um, the reactive portion of uh, the memorandum of understanding just announced was uh, trying to deny uh, Airbus uh, through Bombardier uh, developing a bigger footprint into the uh, particularly the North American market, but of course the uh, you know airline market worldwide. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I, but I but I do think that it, it has it, 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 it's a natural fit. Uh, ultimately, uh, you know the, these regional jets, uh, uh, and this is one reason that Boeing and Airbus traditionally haven't got into the regional jet market, is because they're just as expensive to develop as the bigger platform. Uh, you know, like the seven threes or seven fives, but the cost or, or the profit margins on them are not as uh, large because they sell for you know much less. Yeah. Uh, so so the so the profit incentive hasn't been there, uh, but but I think that. Uh, with this development, you look at uh, Embraer has a great aftermarket support mechanism. Uh, I, I believe that uh, 60-70% uh, of the airlines that buy uh, Embraer products uh, also have Embraer for its uh, maintenance program. Um, so that's uh, something that Boeing hasn't traditionally done very well, but it could learn from. Uh, Boeing can also, I think, learn from the Embraer engineers. Uh, developing new products, uh, you know, in the 100 to 150, 170 passenger range. So I think it has a lot of good synergies for uh, actually both companies. Thank you both for joining us today. Uh, Roger, appreciate your time. Carl, thank you as well. My pleasure. Take care. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 